The following message was recorded at New Beginnings Church in Slidell, Louisiana. Please feel free to duplicate and share this message as you feel led. And you are invited to visit us at New Beginnings Church at 330 Robert Boulevard, Slidell, Louisiana, 70458. Our Sunday services start at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday evening services at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, call us at 985-781-4663. And may God richly bless you as you listen to this message. Guy, uh, He's uh, with uh, Grace Church down in the Orlando, Florida area. Uh, he t- teaches a class that's bigger than our building. So uh, people, it's been growing. There's people here, the marvelous message that God has placed on James's heart. So you didn't come and hear me. You came to hear the Holy Spirit through James. So James, come on down here and we'll give you a great slide out welcome. Amen. Thanks for having me again in slide out. I love coming here and sharing. I want to say hi to people that are on the internet. Cindy, my wife, and my son Jake, and my son Kobe, and uh, friends back in Orlando and all over the world with, with the internet. It's awesome. So um, let's just pray briefly and we'll get started. Lord, we just thank you that we, we can hear your voice. We can have the Holy Spirit actually teach us about heavenly things heavenly realities. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice today, that the Spirit of God would teach us. As John said, we need no man teach us, but the anointing which abides within us shall lead us into all truth. So now we just rely on you, Lord, to teach us. May the Spirit of God open our eyes to perhaps things we've never even considered before. Help us to feed on Christ this morning. Nourish the new creation, Lord. Nourish the new creation. Encourage your people, Lord, I pray. Comfort your people. May the Holy Spirit bring such comfort today, such encouragement. Open our eyes, Lord. We have an open heaven now because of the work of Christ. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. That better? Cool. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. When, when, um, when Jesus first came, when he first started, he said his very first message that he began to proclaim was, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or repent for the kingdom of heaven is within reach, at hand or within reach. And that word repent has, through the centuries, has had a lot of religious connotations about it, religious definitions to it. If you ask a typical Christian what they believe the word repent means, they usually say in their definition something to do with sin, that has to do with, with something with sin. Um, but the word repent in the Greek is a very simple word. And it only means, it only means change your mind. Change your mind. That's it. You could say properly, you could say, um, I was going to eat at the Olive Garden, but I repented, and I'm going to Ruth Chris Steakhouse instead. That's the proper use of that word. In fact, I wish we would start using that word more often like that because it would take away the religious connotations that that word has. The scripture actually says God repented. Try putting your definition of repentance in that scripture. It doesn't fit. God was sorry for his sin. God turned over a new leaf. God, God walked down the aisle and was crying. Whatever we think repentance is. The scripture says God repented. He changed his mind and did not destroy Nineveh. He changed his mind. It's all it means is to change your mind. Okay, so when Jesus came proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is within reach or at hand, he said, change your mind. He said, change your mind. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is within reach. Now, 
when you say to somebody, change your mind, it's the next thing you say that is related to your word, change your mind. You see what I mean? In other words, if you say to somebody, change your mind and take the van instead of the truck, because the truck's broke, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break or whatever. Change your mind, take the van. Why do we think change your mind, take the van means stop sinning and take the van? You see? Why do we, why do we say repent, repent and take the van and don't take the truck? Repent, take the van. Like, we, in our thinking, we think Jesus was saying stop sinning because the kingdom of heaven is, is coming and get your act together. We think, we think like that. We think he's saying, get your act together, stop sinning because God's coming. And he wasn't saying that at all. What he was saying is this. It's awesome. He was saying this. It's related to the, to the second thing he said. Change your mind. Change your mind because you, you did think, you did think the kingdom was far away in time, future, and far away in space or proximity in heaven. Out of reach. Out of reach and maybe way in the future. At some point, the kingdom is going to come. We've heard the prophets say God's going to come and rule. So in our mind, in our thinking, it's always been far away in time, future, or far away in proximity, out of reach. The Lord was saying, change your mind about that. The kingdom of heaven is not far away in time, nor is it far away in proximity. It is at hand. It is within reach. It is here. Change your mind about how you've been thinking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. It has come. It is here now, he says. And it was in him now, fully in him. It would be in them after he did, after he did his work. He said, the kingdom of heaven is not coming like men think. It shall be within you. Paul said, the Holy Spirit shall be within you. And the Spirit of God Within the Spirit is the kingdom. Paul says the kingdom of heaven is in the Spirit. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Spirit is the realm of heaven, the kingdom of heaven within. So he was saying to them, change your mind. Something wonderful is about to happen. Something wonderful. Something so wonderful, the prophets said stuff like this. They said, the Lord is going to do a new thing. Consider not the things of old. Behold, a new thing shall come. Isaiah said, The Lord shall do a strange work, an unusual work. Habakkuk said, The Lord shall do something so amazing that though a man describe it to them, they will not believe it. Paul quotes that verse in Acts. Acts 13, he says, It's, it's come. What has come? Heaven has come. Heaven. Saints, a parallel universe, another world has come. We say phrases like in the spirit. It's, it's awesome to be in the spirit is to be in another reality. If the Spirit of Christ dwells within you, you are no longer in the flesh, but in the Spirit, Paul said. In the Spirit, it's a different world. You have been translated, Paul said. You have been, past tense, not when your body dies. You have been translated. When you first believed on Jesus, you were translated from the kingdom of this darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son through the gift of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit touched your human spirit, you were catapulted into another world, another reality. It's awesome. This, Paul says that God raises the dead and calls into being that which did not exist before. He literally created again the new creation is real. It has happened to every believer. Every person who, who believes 
has been literally created new again, born from above, no longer from below, Jesus said. A whole new creation. If any man be in Christ, all things have become new. All things have become new. It's a new reality. And in this, and in this, in this parallel universe, in this new reality, one of, the, one of the biggest things that we have in this new reality, and this is what the renewal of the mind is all about. See, we, we're having to work through these brains in these bodies. We're still in the body. And so we see in part, we prophesy in part because we are having to, the new man who has the, man of, the, who has the mind of Christ now has to work through the brain. God ordained it that way that we would have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God, not of us. That's why the, Moses's bush, the bush that burned with Moses before Moses was not consumed. The bush was not consumed when Moses saw the fire in the bush because the, the fire did not look to the bush as its source. When you set a bush on fire, you're seeing the bush. That's the bush. And as the bush burns, the fire goes out. And when the bush is burned up, there's no more fire. This bush burned and was not consumed because God doesn't need me as a source of power. He wants me to just rest in him. And, and that's the, one of the worst things about legalism. Legalism burns you out because you're doing it all yourself. You're trying to do it yourself. You're trying to be God. Only God can be God in us and through us. It's a rest. And so we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. We're just the bush. But God has made us an awesome bush because he has... He has truly transformed us and recreated us. See, God cannot join himself. And that, by the way, is what, is, what has happened in this, in this new reality. We've been joined to him. It's awesome. He was joined to the Lord as one spirit, the scripture says. He in me, I in him. His prayer in John 17 was, Father, as I am in you, Father, and you, I am, and you are in me, may I be in them and they in me. One. It's happened. And, and God cannot join himself to anything with, that has sin in it. He can't. It's impossible. He can't even join himself to anything that has a past of any sin. Do you realize the new creation has no past? No sinful yes, past? Indeed. Isn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah. The new creation has no sinful past. Yes. God has to join himself to something that's perfect and has always been perfect. He made you new. He made me new so he could join himself to me. There is, no, there is no sin in my past as a new creation. And there's no sin in my future as a new creation. First John says the seed of God abides within the new creation and he cannot sin. See, when you sin, when I sin as a believer, Paul said it's not the real you that's doing the sinning. Romans 7. We're going to talk a little bit about that. The power of sin is in the flesh. It's in the body. It's in the members of our body, the scripture says. The power of sin is in the flesh. God literally circumcised us. Spiritual circumcision is where he cut away the body of the flesh. Colossians says he cut away the body of the flesh. The real you, the invisible you that's going to go into heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord, at your funeral, your body is going to be in a casket. But that's not the real you. How many funerals have you been to and you've looked at the body and you go, I can tell he's not here. She's not here. That was just a shell. The real person's gone. That's right. And the reason why is because the real person is not your body. The real you is soul and spirit. And the reason why is because the real person is not your body. The real you is soul and spirit. <laughs> but, um, what was that? Oh, yeah. The, the real person is soul and spirit. Soul and spirit are distinguishable, but they are inseparable. Remember, remember that, saints. Soul and spirit are distinguishable. There's a, real, there's a soul and there's a spirit, but they are inseparable. You can't separate the two. It's, it's, that's the whole person. And I disagree with this teaching that's out there that says our spirit is saved, our soul is being saved, and our body will be saved. The first part and the last part is right but not the middle part. It's not just your spirit that's been saved. Your soul has been saved. We sing about it all the time. You saved my soul, but we don't believe it. 
We think God's still working on my soul. He's not working on your soul. Come unto me. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. And you shall find rest for your souls. See, the soul and the spirit together is, a, is the person. The whole person has been made new. The whole person. God didn't say, I'm going to save your spirit and you, you, your soul is going to be, I'll be working on your soul and then one day I'll redeem your body. He is going to redeem the body and we will put on immortality. The body will be put on in the, uh, the new body. But saints, there was never this dichotomy between spirit and soul that you hear in, in the teaching of the church today. What you heard Paul talk about was a dichotomy of the visible and the invisible. He talked about the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit inside is alive because of righteousness. He talked about the outward man is, is dying every day, but the inward man is being renewed every day. The dichotomy is not between spirit and soul. The dichotomy is, is between the invisible person and the visible body. And that's why in Colossians you see where God put the knife. Where did, he, where did, where did, where did God cut? Where did he make spiritual circumcision happen? Did he cut between spirit and soul? If that doctrine is true, he had to cut between spirit and soul because he cannot inhabit that which has sin or that which is not perfect. You see that? He had to, he, if that doctrine is true, then the, the scriptures should say that God circumcised our spirit with his own hand, cutting between soul and spirit. He didn't say that. Colossians says God circumcised us with his own hand and cut away the body of the flesh. It's awesome. See, the new man has been literally the man, the person, the whole person, not just part of you, the whole person. That doctrine really stinks because basically it, sa it says that the, the work of Christ saved a third of you. You know, I mean, really, it's, it's, it's really, it, he, you know, he, all that Jesus did really just helped, helped cure a third of the problem. And God's working on the, the other third. And then one day we'll finish the last. Third. No, it's we have awesome hope. Of a new, we, we are literally a new person. See, that's why the believers, most of the believers in the church don't believe they have a new heart. They really don't believe they have a new heart. They're not being told that. They have a new heart. When we sin, the power of sin, when I sin, I was about to say this. When we sin, when believers sin, it's the power of sin. Paul said that the power of sin in our mortal body, in the members of our body, the flesh, that's why we say it's, we walk after the flesh when we sin. It's after the power that's in the body, the members of our body. And it affects the real me. But as my mind is renewed to this new reality and this new world that I live in now, and I see God as my father, Abba, that's part of this awesome reality that God has now become my father. I have become his son. I'm now his son. I'm one with him. I'm as righteous as God is because God made me righteous. He created me in Christ Jesus. He gave me his own righteousness. He doesn't count my sin against me anymore. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them anymore. In this new covenant, I'll be merciful to all their iniquities, and I'll remember their sins no more. This is the, reality. This is the world I live in now. It's heaven on earth within Outside, I'll have tribulation and trouble. In this world, I'll surely have trouble and tribulation. Jesus said, in the world, this world, you shall have trouble and tribulation. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world, and I have brought you with me, that you may be where I am. That's not talking about the second coming. When he said, I go to prepare a place for you, that you might be where I am. He prepared that place in a little while. After a little while, John says, John 14, 15, and 16. Read those three chapters, John 14, 15, and 16. John 14, 15, and 16, he talks about this after a little while. After a little while, the world's going to rejoice and you're going to be sad. Talking to his apostles, he said, but I'll see you again. After a little while, I'll see you again and you shall rejoice. And in that day, you will know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and you are in me and I am in you. And no man takes your joy from you. He's talking about after the resurrection. Amen. After three days, I'll see you again. I'll see you in Galilee. Tell the, tell the apostles, tell the disciples and Peter, he'll see you in Galilee. And they saw him again after a little while, three days and three nights. Now they would always be where he is. We are now seated with him in heavenly places. He is now with us. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world now, see? Isn't that awesome? Yes, indeed. This is the world we live in now. As believers, it's a whole new world. It's a parallel universe. It's heaven within here. 
We live, we have righteousness and peace and joy. That's the kingdom. of Paul says, this is the kingdom within. Righteousness, his righteousness, not mine. Peace, his peace. He says, I leave my peace with you, not as the world gives. I leave my peace with you. Joy. He says, I leave my joy with you, not as the world gives. I leave you my joy. We have his righteousness, his peace, his joy within. You live in another reality. You, you exhibit, you're a window to the heavens. To the world. You're the window. You're the door. You're the, you're the open. Your words bring life. You can speak. You can see people and know people no more after the, after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now you see only people that are alive in him and those who have no life in him. For he who has the son has the life. And who has not the son has not the life. You can be totally unjudgmental. Totally. Um, you're not trying to fix people. You're not trying to point out people's sin. You just want to say, look, do you have him? If you have him, you have the life. And if you don't have him, you can have him. You can believe. Isn't it awesome? It's so cool. It's, it's, it's simple and profound. The implications are profound. I mean, think about it, saints. Under the law, sin was just covered. As they committed a sin, they would take a bull or a goat or a lamb, and the blood of bulls and goats merely covered sin, Hebrews 10 says. Just covered it. But the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin, Hebrews 10 says. Jesus came. Jesus said, for you have not desired, Father, the blood of bulls and goats gives you no pleasure. In the volume of the book, in the scripture, it is written to me, behold, I come. Thou hast prepared for me a body that I might offer it up, the Christ said. That he may take away sin. See, God takes no pleasure in the covering of sins. You know why? Because he doesn't want you to be sin conscious. Hebrews says that the, the worshipers having once been cleansed should have no more consciousness of sin, the worshipers. Not that we don't know when we sin and not that we're not aware of what's flesh and what's spirit. But God does not want you to think of yourself as just a sinner saved by grace. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. We were sinners. We were sinners and we were not saved. Now we are saved by grace and we're saints. Amen. Yes. We're saints. We're not sinners. I think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world to hear how, some, how religion says, okay, the Pope has decided to, you know, we're making this guy a saint back, you know, three centuries ago. We have, we have now, what, five saints? What? Paul wrote to the, every believer was a saint. A holy one. That's what saint means. Holy one. One who is other, like, like God is other. It means you are holy and blameless. It means you are, it, it is, God has done it. So we're not, we, we're not just sinners saved by grace anymore. And this new, this new way of thinking will change everything. This is what Jesus meant when he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took three measures of leaven or yeast and put it in the dough and let it rest until the whole thing was leavened. This is the most, this is powerful, saints. The gospel, if you will take this into you, if you will take this word into you and believe, it will multiply within. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all of the truth. The truth. The truth. Jesus said, if you will follow me, and not give up on these unbelievable, awesome, awesomely ridiculous promises I'm telling you about. If you, if you will not give up on this, if you will believe I'm as good as I say I am, you will know the truth. And the truth will make you free. The truth makes you free. John said this. As Jesus is, so are we. In this world. Dude. <laughs> As Jesus is, so are we. That's what union is. He the branch, uh, he the vine, we the branch. Bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. I'm telling you, this is awesome. This, you take this in. You take this into your heart and believe that he's as good as he says he is. You take this in and chew on it. It has its own power Amen. to multiply within you. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a man who took seed and put it in the ground. And he rose night and day and saw it come forth. And he knew not how it came forth. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Listen, this is, this is easy. Just like he said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me. Learn of me. I'm telling you, saints, religion has made this thing hard and difficult. It is not. When we see the truth, he lived by the Father. He says, all I do is because the Father lives within me. I live by him. I'm in union with my Father. The works I do are not my works. The works of my Father that dwells within me. The words I speak are not my words. The words of my Father. And as I live by the Father, you shall live by me. I'm going to do something that will allow you to have me and you and you and me. And the Father and me and I and the Father and I and you and you and me, the three of us, one. My Father and I will come and make our abode within you by the gift of the Holy Spirit, he said. Union. He our head. We his members on earth. The body. One body. Christ. The body of Christ. It's awesome. It's, it's huge. We are the living stones of the true temple that he raised in three days. We are the dwelling place of God now. This is awesome. You are invincible. You have eternal life abiding within you. It's not a time thing. It is a quality. It's the presence. You have the Shekinah glory that used to be behind a veil within your bosom. He made it so. He loves, he loves that. He loves to choose the weak to confound the strong. He loves to choose the foolish to confound the wise. He loves it. He loves to take a David to fight a Goliath. He loves to take 300 soldiers of Gideon and, and show how powerful he is. We have this treasure in weak earthen vessels that the excellency of the power is clearly seen to be of God and not of ourselves. We are just a bush burning with the power of God and we're not consumed. Amen. It's awesome. Look, if the truth were really told, if the truth were really told, you know how, you know how they would come out of their cities to hear Jesus speak? They would come out by the droves. You know the ones that didn't come? The religious. The Pharisees. The Pharisees wouldn't go hear him. They sent spies. And their spies would come back and go, I don't know, dude. I never heard God talk like this. And then they get mad at their spies. And they said, and they said, well, have, you, have you become his disciple too? This is ridiculous. You know, they got all mad because the spies were getting, what, what, what was being drawn? What was this that no man ever spoke like this? No prophet, no prophet could ever say, don't be afraid of your sin. Don't be afraid. Come to me. Peter said, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. I'm not worthy. Don't be afraid, Peter. Come to me. Only God can say that. And God was saying that. Come to me, Peter. Don't be afraid. Come to me. No prophet could ever say that. You see, for the first time in the history of the human race, a man was saying to men, no longer look to yourself to change yourself, to fix yourself. For through the law is the knowledge of sin. For the first time, a man was saying to other men, I am your Lord. Come to me. Come to me. I will take it. I will take it all. I will take it all. He was extended between heaven and earth. He tasted death for every man. If I be lifted up, he said, I will draw all men to me. All men. He took upon himself the judgment of the world. He went to the cross saying, now is the judgment of this world. Now. Men saw just a man on a tree in Jerusalem that day. God saw the judgment of the entire human race. From Adam to the end of time. For he offered himself up by the eternal spirit. One man. The lamb. Slain before the foundation of the world. And therefore... Since all things came from him and through him and by him, then in him was everything. So if he in this great mystery, if he were to take on human form and die, everything that came forth from him would die. For all things came from him and through him and by him. That's why he could stand in time and offer his life that would be 
counted before time. Great mystery, but that's how he did it. This wisdom, Satan didn't understand. He did not understand the hidden wisdom. The scripture says, had, the, had Satan understood this wisdom, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He didn't know about it. He didn't know this. Corinthians says, had he understood this wisdom, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan thought, all Satan knew. See, Satan was not in the very beginning. He's a created being. He did not know the wisdom of God that was there before the angels were made. He had no clue. God kept it from the angels. The angels stooped down, the scripture says, to look into what we have. God saved this awesome wisdom for his bride, for you. This is awesome. No, you're not. You shall judge angels, Paul says. The angels looked. The angels only understood law. That's why the law was ministered by the angels, the scripture says. See? The angels understood law. They understood the, the righteousness of God. And they understood justice. They understood these. That's why Satan understood all that too. That's why he tempted Eve to go to the tree of the knowledge of good. That's all he knew. He didn't understand the wisdom, the hidden wisdom of Christ. A wheel within a wheel. A son within the father. A word within a word. This hidden incredible mystery was hidden from him. Had he understood it, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. That, and then that's why he couldn't say much until it was accomplished. Because I cannot say much now, but I'll, say, I'll tell you later. I can't say much now, but I'll tell you later. And then now, after it was accomplished, Satan could not reverse it. It was done. It was done. And so he says, now shut it from the housetops. He can't stop it now. It's done. I sit on the right hand of the Father. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. I descended to Sheol. I have the keys of death and Hades and I have released them and I ascend to the tops and I ascend to all things. All things have become mine and all things are now yours and me. It's awesome. That's why Satan is so mad because he knows his time is short and he knows he was, he was outfoxed by the best fox of them all. God himself. He was outfoxed by the one who made foxes. The prideful angel thought he had Jesus and thought he would take the world through the death of this one. It was just, you know, playing right into the hands of God. As Jesus said in that garden, this is your hour in the power of darkness. Do what you will. He basically was saying, make my day. (laughs) As he was being led to death, he knew This would be the undoing. This would be the undoing of all the pain and hurt and suffering and death that Satan brought to to the world. And that's why he said, when the Holy Spirit comes, it shall convict the world of sin because they don't believe on me. But it shall not convict you of sin. The Spirit shall convict the believer of righteousness. Because I go to the Father, I, I accomplish this work. I go to the Father through death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So the Spirit now convinces the believer of righteousness and of judgment. For the prince of this world has been judged. Awesome. So that he who once accused you can no longer accuse you. He's angry because you sit now in the heavenlies. And that's where he wanted to sit. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. I will ascend above his throne. I will be like the Most High, Satan said. God gave it to me, a weak human being, not even an angel. He's really bad. But you know what? He can't touch me. My daddy is greater than them all. He can't touch me. The evil one touches us not, the scripture says. He abides within me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The scripture says the saints overcame the enemy, the beast, By the blood of the Lamb, His work, and the word of their testimony. What's the word of their testimony? The word of their testimony means that the testimony of the Lord, born at the proper time, His coming into the world to take the judgment of the world, His death, His burial, His ascension, His resurrection, His ascension, that testimony has become my testimony. For I have been crucified with Christ. I have been buried with Him. I have been raised with Him. I have have ascended with Him. I sit with Him in heaven. The word of your testimony is, you take on the testimony of the Lord. It has become my testimony now because I have died with Him. I have been raised in Him. I am new in Him. I am one with Him. And that's how you overcome the beast and all the lies of the enemy. And they love not their lives even unto the death. That's, that's, that's all they could do. That's all the enemy could do is take my body, take the death, take my life, my physical life. Can't touch, can't touch me. It's awesome. This is beyond 
Look, the half has not been told. Yes, indeed, that's right. People flock to hear Jesus speak. If the truth were just told, our churches would be filled with people looking for hope. They would be drawn to God. If I be lifted up, I would draw them into me. How can you turn this away? Turn this down? How can you turn this away? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable good news. That's why it's called good news. Gospel, good news. I mean, unbelievable good news. Incredible good news. It's good news. I mean, it's good news. It's like, instead of everything else, religion points you back to your sin and makes you feel unworthy and makes you feel unholy and makes you feel like you have to work so hard to get there and, and you hope you get to heaven one day. My gosh, that's so far from the truth. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But we, we, we bought the lie. We bought into the lie. You know, we were talking earlier, you know, how, why do people not get this? You know, why, you start sharing the gospel of grace and, they, and they, they just can't see it sometimes. And I think a big part of it is that the, their premise is wrong. They have the wrong premise. See, they have, in their, they have in their minds as a believer, they have in their minds that, Oh, yeah, I get, the, I get the grace stuff. I get the faith and grace. Yeah, I'm justified by grace through faith, and I know it's, you know, I'm righteous because of what Jesus did. I, I get that. But when it comes to the sanctification part, or the part where the Christian life part, you know, where you're, you're growing and Christ is being formed in you and, you're, and, and uh, the image of Christ is going, coming forth or, or bearing fruit, the issue of bearing fruit, that kind of thing, their premise is wrong. The premise that they have in their head is that I still have an evil heart as a believer. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I have an evil heart. So God needs me to search my heart. Uh, that's scripture. Uh, it's in the Bible. Search your heart for sin, for evil. Uh, so I need to search my heart and um, repent of you know, sin. Um, I need to, you know, whatever I need to do to, to really you know, change that. Um, and then I'm getting better. I'm improving, you know. Uh, you know, I, I'm better than he is. I mean, he, that guy. <laughs> so we start comparing ourselves with one, with one another, and we say, oh, I'm, a lot, I'm a lot more righteous than that guy. I'm a lot more holy than that guy. Makes but that lady, she's pretty holy. I, I haven't got to where she is yet. So I'm working on that. I want to be like her one day. She reads her Bible all the time. I don't read it like once a week. It's stupid. It's, the premise is wrong. It's, the premise is wrong, saints. The premise must be that you are already holy. That other way of thinking, at what point are you going to be holy enough for heaven? At what point? At what point are you going to say, I'm, I'm finally holy? You know, are you going to say minutes before you die, I finally made it. Oh, my God, just in time. I'm finally holy enough for heaven. Listen, listen, only the perfect go to heaven. Only the perfect. You can't have one blemish and go to heaven. You must be perfect. And the only perfect people are those who are created by God. Perfect. Born again, a new creation, a new heart. There's no scripture that says your physical death adds anything to your holiness, right? So if you're working on your holiness and you're working on that evil heart that you think you have and you don't get it cleaned up in time, your physical death is not going to do anything to help you fix that heart. You're about to, you're about to see God. Does God. Does the scripture say anywhere that God hurries up and finishes it real quick so he won't be a crispy critter in his presence? No. There's no scripture that says he's going to hurry and fix it. That's why, the, that's why religion came up with purgatory. They don't believe. They don't believe they have a new heart. So they have, this can't be right. I mean, this guy's still sinning. He died two seconds ago. He can't go to heaven. We've got to have something to fix this. Uh, I don't know, purgatory. Another place. Maybe a, a middle way place where he goes and gets purged. And then he gets purged in this other place. And then he goes on to heaven when he gets cleaned over there. No. The Protestants are much better. That's the Catholics. The Protestants are much better. Their purgatory is in life now. <laughs> Almost, almost like the Catholics better. Because it's not true anyway, so when you die, you go to heaven. You know? It's ridiculous. We, th we think that God's purging us to, get us to get us fit for heaven. No. The scripture says he offered himself once for all sin and purged us from all iniquity and sat down on the right hand of the Father. Amen. He did it all. Saints, the power of the gospel is the finality of his work. When he said it is finished, he meant it. It is finished. When he said it is finished, he meant it. See, the trick of the enemy is this. He is so upset with himself that he allowed himself to be duped. So what, one of his biggest strategies 
is not to deny Christ ever came or deny that Christ ever died. He can't. This is the bags, the cat's out of the bag. I mean, it's, it's impossible. He can't, he can't put that, that back in. So what he does and what he did do is he says, okay, they can have their Christ, but I'm going to make them believe that his work was not finished. I'm going to make them believe that he has to do it over and over and over and over again. I'm going to make them think the bread actually becomes his flesh and the wine becomes his blood. Yes, I'll make it and I'll call it transubstantiation and, and they'll think they're offering his sacrifice again and again and again and again and they'll never be confident. They'll never be settled. They'll never, never be at rest. They'll never know. They'll never know. They'll never know. I'll hide it from them. I'll deceive them. I'll keep them from seeing their perfect heart. They'll never know. And even to this day, Protestants who don't believe that the flesh, the bread actually becomes his flesh and actually becomes his blood, but even to this day, the Protestants, when they have the Lord's Supper, they tell the saints, let's all kneel. Let's turn around on our pews and kneel and confess all our sins before we take of the Lord's Supper because we don't want to take of the cup unworthily. That is not what Paul taught. Paul taught in the Corinthian letter that the Corinthians were having the Lord's Supper and they had unbelievers in their midst. Unbelievers were in their midst who were not even of the covenant and it, drinking the, the wine and eating the bread of the covenant meal that the believers were having. Paul says, you're drinking judgment to yourself because you're, by eating it as an unbeliever, you're proclaiming that I deserve judgment because that's the judgment of God on, on sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what he was saying, he was examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourself to see if Christ is in you. No, you're not. If Christ is not in you, you are unregenerated. And if you are in Christ, then drink and eat heartily because that's what he did it for. It's a remembrance of him, not your sin. It's a remembrance that he took away the sin of the world. Not that you have to name all your sins before you eat the, the bread and drink the cup. You see? It's beautiful. That, that's what Paul meant by drinking it unworthily. He said, if you're an unbeliever taking of the covenant meal, you're, you, you, by your unbelief, you have by definition rejected Christ. And now you're eating his, the, the, the emblems of his sacrifice. You're drinking judgment to yourself. But if you believe that he took, his, took your sin, eat, drink, for in the old covenant, there was a remembrance of sin year by year, Hebrews says. But in the new covenant, there shall not be a remembrance of sin, but a remembrance of him. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. Me. I'm so thankful this church doesn't do that. It's just ridiculous. The Lord's Supper should be a time of celebration. And religion has made it a time of dread. A time of uh, focusing on sin. A time of, oh, I gotta, did I confess everything up today? Oh, I don't want to take the cup unworthily. Uh, God might strike me down. It's ridiculous. It should be a celebration. What is Passover? The, the Passover was initially the 4th of July for Israel, Independence Day. It was, that's what it was. It was fireworks. It was picnics. It was barbecue. It was an awesome celebration. We're out of here. We're out of Egypt. Judgment has passed us over. Judgment has judged. The Egyptians are judged. And judgment has passed us over because the death angel saw the blood on the doorpost. We're out of here. Our families are out of here. No more slavery. He opens the sea before them with the breath of his nostrils. He blocks their way by fire. He takes them out to a new land filled with milk and honey. It's awesome. It's awesome. So that Passover is actually fulfilled in Christ. It's actually fulfilled in Christ. And so when we take that, we have the celebration, we should remember our freedom, our liberty. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has set you free. Be not entangled again with the law of bondage. Be not sin-focused again and sin-conscious again. Know who you are and celebrate Him. Remember Him. We do show the Lord's death until He comes. His first appearance was to take away sin, Hebrews says. He shall come a second time without regard to sin. And in that, in that coming, He shall take us away to the bride who eagerly awaits Him. Amen. It's awesome. This is the world we live in. This is the kingdom of heaven. It's come. It's no longer way off in the future. It is going to be manifested visibly in the future. That which is 
real now inside of you is going to be manifested visibly. He is coming again. He is coming again. And you'll see the, the visible warped. The reason why the stars will look like they're falling when he comes is because it'll, it, time and space will warp. It'll be a, a, a fabric will tear in the universe and it'll look like the stars are falling, but it's just a warp. It, it'll, the whole thing will be ripped. And that which is unseen will be revealed. Glorious, glorious, glorious multitude of angels with him. Awesome glory. And, this, and just when this happens, at the same moment, those who are alive and remain when he comes, you will feel a buzz on the inside of you. It will be a generating, it will be like a, a, a vibrating buzz on the inside of you. It will be joy, joy, joy. You're like, what the heck is happening to me? What is this? What is this? And then you, you'll, you'll talk to your brother or your sister. You'll go, you feel that too? Yeah, I feel that too. You're going to be at Olive Garden having a salad. You're like, oh my gosh, this is the best salad ever. And then, the, the, and then there's, there's going to be this other lady over here who's, who's an unbeliever and says, I'll have, I'll have what she's having. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's going to, you know, but, it, but in a moment, I, I, it's really going to happen. You're going to have this like unbelievable. And then it's going to be, and then what's going to happen, saints, is that just as Jesus' body was transformed on the Mount of Transfiguration, what was inside of him, the kingdom, the realm yes. that came out, I, you shall see the kingdom of heaven come in power, he said to three, Peter, John, James, they saw, they saw it. You shall see the kingdom of heaven come in power. You'll see it. You'll see what's inside of me and what is going to be inside of you. What's going to happen is from your body, with that generating joy that's coming up, light is going to burst out of you. As the light comes from your spirit and touches your skin, it will transform it to immortality. It will transform the body instantly. It will like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There'll be, it's going to be awesome. A new body, a new reality. And you'll be gone like that. <laughs> Caught up with him. And then judgment will follow the earth. Fire. Peter says he comes to melt with fervent heat the very elements. The very elements, saints. The elements will melt. H2O. Hydrogen will melt. The elements will melt. There'll be no place to hide. Everything will melt and dissolve. Awesome. Those who have rejected him, there'll be no hope. He wept over them. He weeps over them. He stretches his hands all the day long. He wept over Jerusalem. He said, I would, but you would not. But there's going to come a day when he, all evil will be judged. And only that which is in the kingdom will, lit, will, will stand the fire. We have a kingdom that cannot be moved or shaken. You are in that realm. That realm is the only thing that will remain. And then we'll see on the other side of that a new heavens and a new earth open up. This is beyond us. We can't even fathom what we're going to see. It is beyond. And he, has, he says to us, fear not, little flock. It is my Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. Ah! Woo! Lord, we just thank you so much. Help us to, help us to live in your world. All these riches are in Christ. For all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in you, Lord. You have done it. It is finished. And we can enjoy you. You are able to present us in the presence of your glory, blameless, with exceeding great joy. Awesome. Oh, Lord, help us be witnesses of your kingdom. For the word of this kingdom shall go into all the world. The word of this parallel universe, the word of this reality shall go into all the world and then shall the end come. We speak as witnesses. We speak as witnesses of him and of this new world, his world. For we now live because of him. Oh God. Oh God. In the last days they shall understand and many shall lead many to the righteousness which is by faith. They shall shine as the stars forever. Oh God, may many see. May millions see. Millions. Millions leave their businesses to hear this. Leave their homes and gather to hear this. Like we've never heard it said like this. We've never heard anyone speak like this. This Christ, this Son of God, this Lord, this Savior, this Master, this, His 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. Oh God, open our eyes. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Okay, everybody start breathing again. God is so good. Oh. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. Um, that's what I said about that. Yeah. Uh, James has an anointing that uh, it's, a, it's rare. It's very rare. Uh, as you can see, uh, he's, uh, the years I've known him, uh, he's even matured, and uh, uh, there's new, fresh revelation. Every time I hear him say something, I say, gee, I didn't know that. You know, you just kind of... Walk away. So you've experienced that today. I tell you what I'd like for us to do. Uh, let's take about uh, about ten minutes. Now this is hard for to do because I know how butterflies are. You know, you're going to be flying all over the place. But let's break for about ten minutes or so. Uh, uh, get a little refreshment. Get something to drink, and uh, we'll gather back together. Give James a chance to catch his breath, and then we'll uh, have a question and answer session. I know some of you. This is new for you, and uh, you. Uh, uh, Sam, or what about this scripture? What about that one? Or all that stuff that's in your brain that somebody put in there? Uh, you can ask James, and uh, you'll be amazed at uh, how some of the things that you believe are just eh, not quite right when you hear it in the shed in the light of the gospel. So uh, let's take about a ten-minute break, and then we'll we'll blow the horn and do something to get you back together. Pat says, don't forget to fill out the little cards so we can have your name and address to keep you on our mailing list. And put them in the offering box along with all your money. Okay, take a break. <laughs>